Welcome, everyone, to our very first episode on Between the Killers and Me, the newest podcast highlighting murder, mystery, and survival. Yay! We are your hosts. My name is Eden. And I'm Charlie. Um, and since this is our very first episode, mm-hmm. we wanted to talk a little bit more about ourselves uh, and introduce ourselves, um, and then we'll get into the case very quickly here. Um, but here yeah, we go. Uh, we are in our early 20s. We met at a retail like a retail position. We were working in the same store. Um, a little bit more of like a deep dive into who we are, basically. Um, I love reading romance novels. They're my What's shit. Your, do you have a favorite? Like author? Or book? Um, Actually, this isn't a romance one, but I loved Where the Red Fern Grows. I read it in grade six and I cried. It was a sad, sad one. That's a good book. What else do I like? I love to have friendly debates on the internet. Friendly. Very, yeah. High emphasis on that friendly. I get butt hurt <laughs> way too easily. So, friendly. Um, a little fun fact. I used to live in Mexico. I'm, like, born and raised Canadian. And then just, like, <laughs> up and moved to Mexico for just shits and gigs, I guess. I don't know. Um, so, I have quite the open view on life from that experience and it's, it's pretty cool um and i'll say one last thing before i pass it on to charlie here i wanted to start the podcast because i love figuring out why people do what they do it's a very weird thing for me to comprehend that people just like get up and they're like yeah today my neighbor's gonna die today and i'm gonna be the reason yeah <laughs> so it, it's a little weird but enough about me who are you charlie well, thank you, Eden. When I'm not talking murder, I'm very into crocheting. I've got lots of projects I'm working on right now. Um, I also really like uh, tattoos. I want to be a tattoo artist. Um, and I'm putting together a portfolio as I also work on my podcast and crochet projects. I also really love traveling. I went to Mexico. Coincidentally, I passed through the exact town Eden was living in. At the, like, at the same time. Yeah. It's crazy. We didn't know each other. But yeah, we are like our star two like literally stars are aligned. I know. For We're us like to meet. Besties. We are besties. Anyway, I love traveling. I've been to seven different countries. I wanna go to many more. You should take me with you. I will. I wanna go to Japan. Okay. Yeah. Just Let's l- go. let me know when. The kind of reason I got into uh darker topics was because I heard about the Robert Picton case when I was like quite young. I love that uh, case. And I was just like, who is this guy? This happens in Canada. Born and raised here. Like, never heard about a Canadian serial killer. Always, like, Jeffrey Dahmer, Ted Bundy. All Americans. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> well, maybe that's fortunate that they're not in Canada. <laughs> oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so, we both have an interest in darker topics um and we also just needed a new creative outlet and a new excuse to hang out every week now that we don't work together anymore i don't work at our job together so like what the heck sorry unfortunately we don't work together anymore it's fine but we get to see each other now uh for this uh to the yeah so let's jump into today's case then uh so today we're covering the amber tucker case uh, it is one that is local to us, so let's jump into it. 
being Alberta's capital, Edmonton has been designed with tourism in mind. The largest mall in North America lies in this city, and busy, upbeat outdoor shopping areas, markets, and bars are popular among tourists and locals. Many people from within the province take weekend trips to visit Edmonton for some excitement. In August of 2010, Amber Tuckerow, her 14-month-old child, and a female friend of hers would travel to Edmonton for an impromptu girls' trip. This would be a change of pace from their home base of Fort McMurray, a smaller, slower-paced town with a population of only about 60,000 at the time. Amber, her baby, and her friend flew from Fort McMurray to Edmonton International Airport on August 17, 2010. Edmonton's airport is not located within city limits of Edmonton, but across the highway from the nearby town of Nisku. The plan was to stay in Nisku, located just 30 minutes south of Edmonton, in order to save money and make their way to Edmonton during the day. On August 18, 2012, Amber's friend agreed to watch her child as Amber hitchhiked into the city. Local sources report the excitement and travel and being somewhere new likely caused Amber to want to go into the city earlier than planned. She was last seen leaving the motel in a vehicle with an unknown man somewhere within the window of 7.30 to 8 p.m. that evening. Amber would communicate to her driver that she wanted to go into the city of Edmonton but would ultimately be taken on a different route. When Amber failed to contact family or return to the motel the next day, she was reported missing. Initially, the Leduc RCMP told Amber's family that she was likely out partying and that they should give it 24 hours. Amber's mother, Vivian Tootsie Tuckerow, brought up that, quote, Amber's case was mishandled right from the very, very start, end quote. Shortly after her disappearance, Amber's name was removed from the missing persons list based on unconfirmed reported sightings, and her suitcase was mishandled and destroyed by Leduc RCMP. Her missing person status was not reinstated until September 23, 2010, causing a month-long delay in the case. Amber's own mother was not interviewed by police until four months after her daughter's disappearance. On August 28, 2012, police released a phone call in hopes it would lead to developments in Amber's missing persons case. This phone call was recorded on August 18, 2010 from the Edmonton Remand Center where Amber's brother was incarcerated at the time. Sometime earlier this year, the Edmonton Remand Center began recording its outgoing calls. In this call, Amber Tuckerow and the voice of an unknown man can be heard. Amber is questioning the man on where they are going and where they are as he tries to convince Amber he's taking her to Edmonton. Here is the audio posted from CBC's YouTube channel. Where are we by? We're just heading south of uh, Beaumont, or north of Beaumont. We're heading north of Beaumont. Yo, where are we going? Just... No, this is a... Are you f***ing kidding me? You better not take... You better not take me anywhere I don't want to go. I want to go into the city. Okay. Yo, we're not going in the city, are we? No, we're not. Then where the f*** are these roads going to? 50th Street. 50th Street. Are you sure? Absolutely. Yo, where are we going? 50th Street. 50th Street? 50th On September 1st, 2012, just days after this possible big break of a phone call was released, in a Leduc County farmer's field, a human skull was found by horseback riders. Through dental records, this skull was confirmed to belong to Amber. 
This event was unrelated to the release of the phone call, but is a complete coincidence that it happened within the same week. The full, unreleased 17-minute phone call lines up with the duration of the drive to the location where Amber's remains were located. Instead of being taken on the correct route the driver listed, Amber was being driven southeast towards gravel backroads. Now that this was almost definitely a murder investigation, police doubled down on this phone call. Two signs in Leduc County were posted with a link to Amber's phone call asking the public if they could identify the voice. While several tips have come in about this voice, no one has been identified as a suspect and the case still officially remains unsolved to this day. In a July 2019 news conference, RCMP Deputy Commissioner Curtis Sablocki acknowledged that this case was not treated with the, quote, urgency and care, unquote, it deserves, and stated that, quote, the RCMP remains completely committed to searching for the person responsible, end quote, for Amber's death, offering an apology to the Tuckerow family for the deficient investigation. The Tuckerow family rejected this apology. Just over a month before this news conference, in June of 2019, the National Inquiry into Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls was published. It's a thousand-plus page investigative report with more than 200 calls to justice, and it dove into the systemic oppression of FNMI women and girls specifically in Canada, and many things that need to change within Canadian society for Indigenous women to receive equitable treatment. Canada's partaking in residential schools, a form of colonialism targeted to assimilate Indigenous people into Canadian society, plays a large part into the injustices that Indigenous people face to this day. In these schools, students would be stripped of their Indigenous identity and would be given new clothes and, in most instances, new names. They were forced to speak English or French and would be severely punished if they spoke their native language. Any cultural traditions were also banned. Students were isolated and abused, and many died during their time in residential school care. Schools operated in every province and territory across Canada, with the exceptions of New Brunswick and Prince Edward Island. The last remaining residential school closed its doors as recently as 1997. Before, during, and since the existence of residential schools, Indigenous people continuously face oppression at the hands of authority figures. Canada's evolution as a country is closely intertwined with racism towards Indigenous people, and discrimination carries on to this day. The 2019 National Inquiry outlined that while Indigenous women make up less than 4% of Canada's female population, the rate of homicide among Indigenous women in Canada was 12 times higher than that of non-Indigenous women, and 16 times higher than the homicide rate of white women. In 2015, the Native Women's Association of Canada determined that out of 582 cases of missing Indigenous women, 67% of these were expected murder cases. Police across Canada have reportedly swept many cases of missing Indigenous people under the rug, and instances of police brutality have been indicated by Indigenous people across Canada. Amber's case is one that I believe is solvable. Many pieces are here. The main person of interest has their voice caught on audio tape. The negligence that the Leduc RCMP department displayed when investigating this case early on likely contributes to the remaining unsolved status of Amber Tuckerow's murder. Amber's family continues to speak out about their loved one and the injustices that Indigenous women face, doing a news conference as recently as March 16, 2023. Tootsie pled the public, quote, Please come forward if you know something about Amber's killer, what happened to Amber that day. Please come forward, I beg you, end quote. So that's kind of where we sit with Amber's case. Uh, there really hasn't been any developments uh, within the last decade. There's been... No one officially named as a suspect. Nothing. Um, however, what if I were to tell you that three women separately came forward and 
all identified the voice on the phone call as the same man. We aren't going to name him, but this man is known as a previously convicted sex offender within the central Alberta area. He would choke underage sex workers, and he also posts really creepy ads on marketplaces like Gigi or Craigslist. Uh, He's not a person of interest in this case and has been cleared by RCMP, even though three women identified the voice on the call as him. Suspicious. Yeah. He, not gonna lie, sounds like your average redneck, (laughs) like, country man. Yeah. He sounds honestly very familiar, but I literally think that about everything. Yeah. So do you think it could be a case of mistaken identity or do you think this woman all identified the right man? I feel like it's always that thing like once, eh, two is definitely yeah. a coincidence. That's weird. But three, come on. Yeah. Three separate people were like, yeah, that sounds very familiar. That's more than a coincidence. That's weird. I agree. I am also going to mention that between uh, the years of 2002 and 2015, within an eight-kilometer radius of each other in Leduc County, the bodies of four Indigenous women were found. Amber was one of them, and the others were Edna Bernard. She was last seen on September 22, 2002, and her remains were found the next day. She had been beaten uh, strangled and her body had been burned. Katie Sylvia Ballantyne, she was last seen April 28, 2003, and her remains were found July 7, 2003. Uh, Dolores Brower, uh, she was last seen May 15, 2004, and her remains were found on April 19, 2015, more than 10 years later. Uh, alongside Dolores's remains, uh, the remains of another uh, woman named Corey Ottenbright, who also went missing in 2004, uh, just on May 9th, just a few days before Dolores, her remains were found alongside Dolores's. So many believe these women are connected uh, and that their deaths are work of an Edmonton area serial killer preying on mainly indigenous or like disadvantaged women. Honestly, I'm like, I wouldn't be surprised if they were able to like solve Amber's case and be like, yeah, this was the works of a serial killer who preyed on indigenous women because in, like, just Canadian cities and Canada in general, like, indigenous women go, like, missing and, like, they're dying left and right, but it seems just, like, not to be a topic of interest for most people or in the news. Like, it's something that I never really hear much about. Like, all these indigenous women go missing and... I hear it maybe once on TikTok, yeah. nowhere in the news. Like, honestly, like, same. Um, there have been several missing person cases within the last few years within a, within Edmonton. And uh. I've never heard any of them reported on ever uh, in the news. I think, like, something else to bring up is that, like, the news also, like, demeans these women because if they find out they struggle with addiction or if they partake in sex work, the media oftentimes would bash these women. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a big part of why their cases did not get enough uh, media coverage uh, because the news just doesn't like reporting on that kind of stuff. The Highway of Tears is... Uh, 700 kilometer stretch of highway in british columbia uh and it spans between prince george and prince rupert and 
it is the location of many cases of missing and murdered indigenous women mainly because along this stretch of highway, there are a lot of indigenous communities and they're so isolated and remote from the cities they're nearby. So a lot of people are forced to hitchhike uh, as their main form of transportation just because of uh, isolation and poverty. A lot Mm -hmm. of people don't have cars. So hitchhiking is a main form of transportation. And along this stretch of highway since 1970, Uh, many indigenous women have either been murdered or have gone missing. I think it's mainly because people can take advantage of hitchhikers very easily. In general, you can take advantage of people who are poor, who don't have a lot of like privileges and stuff in the world. It's very easy for people of higher power to just take advantage of that. Yeah, exactly. And that's what has been done so much. And that's exactly what happened to Amber. Which is unfortunately like really very common in western canada specifically yeah like there was that uh, truck driver who was sentenced to 11 years for just killing indigenous people in general where did this happen it was um he did killing like all throughout western canada and would just hide their bodies on edmonton journal chillingly cold ex-trucker given 11 years for killing alberta indigenous woman hiding body it was just one but still still like he just killed this lady named gloria gladue but the crazy part of that specific case was that he got 11 years in prison 11 years 11 years for murdering her and then hiding her body that's, just that's 11 fucked. years the for Canada just criminal justice just system is crazy like i could we could do a whole other podcast as to why not only us but many canadians hate the justice system because it's so <laughs> unfair it's kind of whack it is really whack but the fact that he got 11 years for actually murdering somebody yeah was crazy that's ridiculous like he should have gotten life like life no parole nothing i don't care how fucking you know nice he is in prison or whatever no parole i i agree with that if you take away someone else's life like you don't get a life i agree you can't decide to kill somebody and be like hmm, let's go get a slurpee and live my life absolutely not it's not fair and especially since a lot of the time in prison they get privileges and i'm like i don't think you deserve that absolutely not you murder somebody you don't get to eat beef jerky and watch (laughs) a basketball game on your mini tv in your jail cell like you could just sit there and think about what you've done exactly weirdos so as someone who's researched this case a little bit um i think that the voice of the man on the call I don't know what this man sounds like that this three women identified, but if three women identified this one man, or I'm also thinking that Amber's killer is responsible for the deaths of the other women in the area. What are the odds that there are multiple killers within Edmonton using the same fields as like body dumping grounds? This city only just recently surpassed 1 million in population. What are the odds that out of that, there's more than one killer out there? 
there's isn't there like a fact out there where it's like you at least pass like seven serial killers in your like lifetime or something <laughs> some weird shit like that but like it's like a fact you have pe- like you've met a serial I've, killer before i've heard that i don't know the exact number i don't know the exact number don't quote me on it but i feel like it was seven <laughs> maybe i you Question think mark? there's seven in edmonton do you think so I feel like it's very plausible, but I also yeah. feel like the RCMP and police don't really care as much about Indigenous women cases, and that is probably, like, actually three, and the same three are, like, killing everybody, or to be specific, Indigenous people. Yeah. I I unfortunately think that's probably the same. I definitely uh, believe that. I, I Yeah. Because... Please, like, from what I've noticed, turn a blind eye to most things. And I think just the general public are, like, very... They contribute to, like, the oppression of Indigenous people. Well, exactly. The lasting effects of residential schools have not only impacted Indigenous people in harmful ways, but a lot of non-Indigenous people are now ingrained with this racism and are racist towards Indigenous people because, like, it was so prevalent throughout all of Canada's history. So It's just, like, passed on. You're not born racist. Your parents, it's, like, all of these negative stereotypes about Indigenous people, and then those people pass it on to their kids, and it's just, just like, a generational thing because it was so normal in Canada back then to be, like, Indigenous are bad. And it is continuing on uh still to this day still to this day day, people don't care and it's crazy which is why like charlie and i want to do this podcast is to bring light to certain cases because you know cases you see on the news are you know white family white woman and while those cases are still important like nobody should be getting murdered out there um i think it's also important to bring light to indigenous cases and more cases where you know nothing's being covered on i completely agree that's why this podcast is such a big passion project of mine i just really want to bring some lesser known cases to light if you want to hear about ted pandy this is not your podcast (laughs) go watch the zach efron movie love that movie good movie it was. Um, 10 out of 10 would recommend. But it was a quick first episode. We wanted it to be just like a tester, like, but also bring like. Neither of us really know what we're doing. So it's a learning curve. You know, hobbies. We are learning something new every day. Exactly. So thank you for being patient with us. And we are very much looking forward to covering more cases and seeing you within the next couple weeks hopefully heck yeah thank you all for listening peace out if you'd like to find out more about amber's case or any of the other cases we mentioned please check out our links in the description if you have any information about amber tuckerow's investigation we urge you to contact crime stoppers at 1-800-222-TIPS or 8477 or rcmp at 1-855-377-7267